But motive is essentially the answer to why do you want to be a leader? And it really comes down to, are you in leadership for selfish reasons or selfless reasons? Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I have my most amazing guest, Michael Danner. How are you doing, Michael? I'm good, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Thanks. So give everybody the 5,000-foot view of who you are and what you love to do. Awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely do that. Thanks so much for giving me the opportunity. It's a real honor to serve you and your audience any way that I can. Um, uh, my name is Michael Tanner, and uh, I teach leadership uh, w- through the Credible Leadership Group. We do workshops, we do coaching, we have online courses, but we're really focused on the low-level leader, maybe the first-time leader, uh, up to the kind of the middle manager level. Um, and we're really focused there because if you, um, if you're ever looking for leadership development. There is an ocean of executive coaches and C-suite coaches and you know CEO level coaches, um, and really feel like there's a, this void for those leaders that are first-time leaders, junior leaders, up to the kind of the middle management uh, uh, area. So we really focus on those new or young leaders to uh, really help them get their feet under them in terms of being a good and effective leader. Uh, not just to um, deliver good business results, but to really positively impact the lives of those that they're leading as well. Um, So we do what we can to uh, support those young leaders in doing that. Nice. I love that. And that was one of the reasons why I was super excited to have you on the show, because I think a lot of senior executives don't realize kind of the follies of the way when they take, especially in my experience, the best salesperson, the best Mm -hmm. technician, and then hire them or promote them into management and go here, go teach everybody else how you did what you did. And they're like, I don't know how I did what I did. How am I supposed to teach other people how to do what I did? I just did it. And then you get these people going, well, you just do it and you just keep doing it. And then you wonder why, especially in the realm of sales, because sales to me is different than going from a normal employee up the management rung. Sales is a completely different mindset. It's a completely yeah. different way of doing things. You're taking a lone wolf and then telling him that he's the middle of the pack and it's like, uh, and not working for me. So I am super right. excited to have you here. We are going to cover all of those bases and more. Um, but first off, tell me, how did you get into this? How did yeah, this become so, your thing? So I, um, I always tell people that um, I have been in professional leadership now for about 28 years. 1993 was the first uh, position that I had where I was actually paid to be in a leadership position. Uh, and that was actually in the United States Marine Corps. So, uh, the Marine Corps is where I first learned leadership. Um, and when I talk about my military background, a lot of people think that I'm going to bring to the corporate world, a totally different style of leadership that I actually bring because, because I have that military background, everyone assumes that I'm going to bring a authoritarian command and control type of leadership to the corporate world. And and in fact, the opposite is true. The Marine Corps actually teaches servant leadership. Now they don't call it servant leadership, but that's exactly what they teach. And so 
I brought that into the corporate world. I got into the corporate world as a software engineer um, uh, after getting out of the Marine Corps and uh, quickly got into leadership in the corporate world as a software developer, leading a small team of software engineers. And then uh, the company kept uh, giving me bigger problems, which meant I needed a bigger team. And so I just kept growing um, that, uh, that team size. And really for me, that's when the, the switch kind of flipped for me from wanting to solve a big problem with software development to wanting to lead a team in solving a big problem. And so I, I kind of had this, this mental switch moment where I really got energized by helping and coaching and watching a team win more than I was energized by my own personal wins, right? And so that's when I knew that leadership, I was going to nerd out on leadership. That's when I knew I was going to start doing that. So I've been doing that in the corporate world now for all these years. And, and in the last couple of years, I've, I've struck out on my own uh, for the purpose of ensuring that I'm not limited in any way in, in the number of people that I can help and that I can coach in developing their leadership skills. In, the, in a corporate title-based uh, position, I'm limited to those that I lead. Uh, but in a leadership development firm, I'm not limited in any way, obviously. Nice. Love that. So just for the sake of semantics, define for me what your definition of servant leadership is. Yeah. So great question, because I always, with every client, whether it's an individual or a group, I always start with, well, what is your definition of leadership? And so I have to have a working definition of leadership. That's what I base all of my teaching around is, is a, a working definition of leadership. And sadly to say, a lot of times I'll go into a, a team or a person and ask them, what is your definition of leadership? And they don't have one. And so you know, my follow-on questions are, well, first of all, what do you, how do you define it? And then how do you measure it? And then how do you improve it? Uh, and if you can't define it, then obviously you can't measure it and you can't improve it, right? Uh, my favorite is, my favorite response to how do you define leadership is, well, I don't exactly know, but I recognize it when I see it. Well, that doesn't help me any. Uh, how do I measure that, right? Well, so how do you implement that? <laughs> right, exactly. So, so to get to your question, here is my definition of leadership. Influencing others towards a shared goal. Now, so let me break that down because every word in that means something. First of all, others have to be involved. So influencing others towards a shared goal. You have to have others involved. Someone has to be following you. Otherwise, it's just self-discipline, in my opinion. It's not true leadership that you're, lead, quote, leading yourself, right? So others have to be involved. There has to be a goal. We have to have a purpose, right? Leadership is not about well, let me go into the office and me and my team, we're just going to survive another day. That's not leadership, right? That's wandering through the wilderness. We have to have a goal. We have to have an intention, a, a purpose here. And so there has to be a goal. Uh, the, the modifier to that goal is it has to be a shared goal. And in our definition, the word shared has two parts to it. First of all, it means communicated. So you have a goal. As a leader, you must have communicated many times and in many different ways, that goal to your team. Right? So you've got to communicate the goal. But the second part of that word shared is this idea of togetherness. We are in this together, right? It's, it's shared. Even though I'm the leader, I'm sharing in the accomplishment of that goal with you, right? I'm not uh, sitting in my office barking out commands and off you go 
you go and achieve that goal. No, I'm, I'm in the trenches with you. I'm working just as hard with you. I'm getting dirty with you, doing whatever is necessary to share in the accomplishment of that goal. And then lastly, the very first word we use there is influencing other, influencing. Influencing carries with it this idea of a willingness to follow, right? So people aren't following me just because I have a title or just because I have a position or some type of authority. They're not following me because I could punish them in some way or even fire them. They're following me because they actually want to follow me, right? We're, I'm influencing them in that way. So that's our working definition of leadership, influencing others towards a shared goal. Nice, love that. So what is the difference between servant leadership and what other people perceive as militant leadership? Yeah, so servant leadership, it, it does two things that is drastically different from almost all the other models of leadership. Servant leadership, first and foremost, it puts, from, from the perspective of the leader, it puts the team first the team members, they are first and most important people to a servant leader. Uh, you'll, you'll see this a lot when you ask, for instance, a business owner, what's more important, your employees or your customers? And a lot of business owners will really get kind of torn up about that. They don't, they don't want to say that, well, the customer is more important than my people, but then they don't want to say to the, well, the customer is not important. But in a servant leadership mentality, there, there is no question to that, to the answer to that it, it's your team members, your team members are more important because when you as a servant leader view your team members that way, then they're going to be the ones that ultimately care for your customers. And they're going to care for your customers in a much better way when they feel like their leader is their leader views them as that important. Right? So that's the first thing servant leadership always looks at the team member as the most important. And then the second thing that's different in servant leadership is that the leader views his or her responsibility of serving those team members for the purpose of making their life easier, making their accomplishment of the goal easier, doing whatever is necessary to ensure that those team members can accomplish the mission, can accomplish the goal in the most efficient way possible. I, I alluded to earlier the, the military strategy of teaching servant leadership. One of the very first principles, for instance, you learn in the military is that eaters, leaders eat last, right? So when there is a meal, the most senior Marine always eats last. And the, the reason that is taught is because you're demonstrating that those junior Marines, those, those team members, they are more important than you are as the leader. And, and if there's not enough food to go around, you're going to be the one to sacrifice. You're going to be the one to suffer. Um, and so that's the servant leadership mentality of a leader is to always put and serve the team members first. Nice. I love that. Now, my brain automatically translates that too. So when we're having team meetings, I'm addressing them and their issues and what's going on for them primary. And that in our team meetings is, are you having issues with the clients? I'm going to be the bad guy. Tell me about it. I will set the client straight because one, I don't want my, my employees coming to work in a shitty mood <laughs> ever. Yep. I want them to be elated that they get to work with the clients. And if there's an issue, you know, we will shuffle 
staff based on staff saying, hey, I want to get shuffled away from this client, not because the client's going, hey, I want to get shuffled away from this employee, because then I step in and go, why do you, <laughs> what's going on with mm -hmm. you? And yeah. a lot of our clients are like gobsmacked that I would dare ask them what they had done to piss off my team. And I'm yep. like, because the team's super happy. We get along with everybody. So what's going on here? And yeah. and it's it's definitely a a twist, but um, that's just my perception. Am yeah. I doing it right? And or you know, what's your take on how do you translate the eating last thing in a team meeting? Yeah, you know th that is so important. And and I've worked with a lot of groups that are in, for instance, a technical support group, right? And and a technical support group, they always work directly with the customer, and. The customers that they're working with, guess what? They're always the unhappy customer. No one calls tech support to say, hey, I just want to tell you how great your product is and, and how much fun I'm having with it, right? So they're always in a bad mood, right? And so when you're working with, for instance, with a technical support group and you as the leader, that technical support group, they want to know two things. Because again, every single day they're working with that unhappy customer. They want to know that you're willing to get in the trenches with them and to really coach them and mentor them and so forth into how to work with and how to deal with those unhappy customers. That's the first thing they want to know, that you're willing to be there with them. The second thing that they want to know is that you always have their back as a leader. And so if it were to come to it and you as the leader needed to step in and you needed to say to a customer, hey, I know you're unhappy, but here's the deal. You will not treat our team members that way, right? If you've got to act that way, then you are not going to be a customer of ours. When, when your team knows you as the leader have their back that way, you've just created a tremendous amount of loyalty when they see that you're there to serve them, to protect them, even at the expense that it might cost you a customer. So again, that to me, that is, that's the epitome of viewing yourself as a servant leader when you can step in that way. Good. I'm doing right. <laughs> you are, you are. Yes. So what does it look like when you come in and work with a company? Like what is your um, process and mm -hmm. you know, how does that unroll? So, so we do a couple of different things. First of all, we, um, we have online self-paced leadership development courses um, and those are geared towards the individual that wants to first um, measure their, their current set of skills related to leadership. And then they want to go through the course necessary, take the actions necessary to improve and increase their leadership capabilities, and then reassess. So we have a course called our Leadership Accelerator. Over a course of 30 days, you can score, take some actions, and then rescore and see your leadership improve. In addition to that, we do individual coaching as well. So uh, we do uh, uh, online coaching with individuals. We typically meet one, uh, one time a week with that individual. And it really depends on kind of the scope of what they're wanting to accomplish as a leader. Sometimes we meet uh, uh, with an individual for just a single month. Other times it's close to a year that we might meet with that individual. And, and it all kind of depends on what is the scope of accomplishment they're wanting to achieve here as a leader. And then lastly, um, when we have a, a set of, of uh, 
maybe leaders, middle management, lower level leaders within an organization will go in and do a two-day workshop that essentially does that exact same 30-day uh, course that I talked about earlier, but it, it does it for a group of individuals um, uh, in a, in a two-day workshop. So we do all three of those. Wow. That will be intense. And we'll get back to that one because that is intriguing. Um, I was going to ask you, so some of the things that you look at, some of those modules in that course or the self-assessment, what aspects of a person are you looking at? Yeah, so what we've developed, we've developed, and this, my computer science background is going to come out here, um, <laughs> and I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to get all nerdy and mathematical on you, uh, but we have developed what we call the leadership equation, um, and it takes the four variables of leadership that we teach, and it puts it in a mathematical equation that can be used in an assessment to basically give you a leadership score. One of the struggles I believe with giving someone feedback on their leadership capabilities is that that feedback needs to be objective. If it's subjective in some way, then we tend to be defensive against that. Well, that's your opinion of my leadership and you know, you just don't understand my style. But if it's really objective feedback, like a number, right? So when you put this through a, an equation and you just simply get a number back, a number is very objective. Well, now let's take some action and let's watch that number increase, right? So we developed this leadership equation and it has four variables in it. The first variable is credibility. And this is your history, your track record of success, right? So how, how believable is it to your team members that you can lead them to success? So that's your credibility. The second variable is competence. Uh, this is, there's two aspects to competence. It's first your subject matter expertise. So to your example earlier of sales, a salesman being promoted to sales manager, well, your team members assume you have some subject matter expertise in sales. So, so there's competence there, but the second part of competence is your leadership competence, right? How, how much knowledge and skill and experience do you have as a leader? Okay. So that's the second variable. The third variable is motive. This is a really, really important variable in the equation. It's a divisor in the equation. But motive is essentially the answer to why do you want to be a leader? And it really comes down to, are you in leadership for selfish reasons or selfless reasons, right? Are you in leadership because you want the credit, you want the accolades, you want the title, you want the compensation or whatever? Or are you in leadership because you want to see a team when you want to see success for the team, right? So motive, that's the third variable. And then lastly, uh, relationships. Um, relationships is also a very important variable in the equation. It, it's a multiplier against all the other variables. But relationship basically represents the level of relationship that you have with team members on a personal level. It, it's not just how well you know about their project or their deliverables or their performance. How well do you know that person as a person? How well do you know their family, their hobbies, their challenges or struggles? It might be how well do you know that that person uh, as a person? So those are the four variables that are in our equation that we utilize to measure someone's leadership capabilities. Nice. Love that. And it kind of made me smile because I run a tech company. So techies aren't very known for their relationship mm -hmm. status, realms, whatever. Yes. I had one client who took a week off and a couple of weeks later, um, because we communicate on Facebook Messenger, we mm -hmm. just happened to go into his profile and notice his wedding pictures like, dude, 
<laughs> he can tell any of us that he got married, moved right, across the right. planet. Yes, yes. It's like, nope, I had no intention whatsoever. And I'm like, okay, hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so we we have two stark comparisons when we have the creative team and the tech team <laughs> well and listen you know I, i've worked all these years in the engineering space in the software development space and and we are notoriously like, introverted i'm also notoriously introverted right and so this idea of building relationships i mean i'm so grateful for someone in in a workshop in a group of people for instance is willing to raise their hand and say I don't know how to build a relationship with my team. Can you tell me how to, yes, I can tell you how, because there are, there are concrete actionable things that you can just go and do and it will build relationships. Um, and so, yeah, I, I run into that all the time where we have people that just, they don't necessarily have these skills innately, but we can teach them. And that's why I believe leadership is a learned skill, not a born skill. So other than creeping somebody's Facebook profile. <laughs> can you give us at least one idea of how yeah, we can break that? Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> the, the number one most powerful tool that I believe a leader has for building relationships is the consistent and regularly held one-on-one -on -one meetings with their team members, with their direct reports. And a lot of, a lot of leaders will do this, uh, but they miss a key element to this for that's used for relationship building. First of all, you should you should have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with every single one of your direct reports. And that meeting should be as consistent as possible. Put it on the calendar. Maybe it's once every week or once every other week, but you as the leader, you need to schedule that meeting and you need to be very, very diligent not to reschedule or cancel that meeting if at all possible, because your consistency in that meeting is telling that person they are important to you. Okay. Now, when you get into that meeting, your agenda can be anything you need or, or want it to be, except that the very first item on that agenda is relationship building. The very first item on that one-on-one -on -one meeting, every single time you meet is relationship building. And you can literally put relationship building in the agenda of the meeting. This is something I think leaders misinterpret. Relationship building is not a covert operation, right? You're not, you're not kind of in secret somehow sneak trying to there. sneak around and, oh, you don't know it, but I'm building a relationship so with you. how's your family? Right. You, you just tell them, hey, look, I feel like I can be a better leader for you if I know you a little bit better. So I'm going to share some details about me. You're, I hope you'll share some details about you. We'll get to know one another a little better and therefore we'll work better together, right? It's not a covert operation. And so that first five minutes or so of every single one-on-one -on -one meeting is just genuine curiosity about that person as a person, right? And just, and just let that relationship build over time in that one-on-one -on -one meeting where, you know, last week they told you, um, well, my daughter's moving into college this weekend. Well, guess what you're gonna talk about next week and you're, well, how did this weekend go? Tell me about the movie. And I, well, I bet that was, you know, emotional or I bet that was exciting for her. And so you're just going to take that first five minutes of every single one-on-one -on -one meeting and just build relationships, be genuinely curious about that person. Nice. I love that. And it reminds me of a few things, but I'll only bring up the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> when somebody mentions things like that, I'll actually put that in, in my notes for like my Absolutely. my meeting details for the next meeting is remember to ask Frank about blah and like it's totally cool and it's like oh hey Frank 
tell me about blah like that is awesome and uh, absolutely because you know i i'm definitely interested and it's important but i don't want to remember five minutes after the meeting's done <laughs> yeah yeah and that's another part of that misconception i think about it needs to be covert in some way um is when when my team member sees me write something down that's okay because again it conveys to that team member what I just told him is important enough to him that he wrote it down. And, and it doesn't matter that it was something about, uh, you know, a, a hobby that I like to do on the weekend. It doesn't matter what it is. When I write it down, it conveys to that person, well, that's important to me. And then the next time I'm in a meeting with him like that, or the next time I pass him in the hallway, if because I wrote it down, I can remember to ask him about it. That is huge when it comes to building relationships. Nice. I love that. So when it comes to working with your clients, um, I, I suspect that there's a huge array that somebody will just come in and say, hey, Michael, I need to work with you. Or it could be a corporation go, hey, I want you to work with all our juniors. Mm -hmm. Who is your absolute favorite that you love to work with? Yeah, so, so this is so good. Um, I'm so glad you asked this because, again, I, I mentioned earlier, there are certain individuals for and I always use the example of a workshop because it's a group setting, because when you're in a group setting, it just adds an additional dynamic that I recognize that it takes a lot of courage for this individual to to say what they're saying or ask the question that they're asking. And my favorite individual is when I start to teach on motive. And again, it's answering the question, why do you want to be in leadership? And I start teaching the difference between being a selfish leader and being a selfless leader. And that person that's willing to raise their hand again in that group and say, well, you know, I think I got into leadership for selfish reasons because I wanted the prestige. I wanted the title or, or I thought there would be a lot of compensation associated with being a leader. And that individual that's willing to raise their hand when we're teaching about motive and say, I think I got into leadership for selfish reasons, because the second thing they're asking there is, can you help me swing that pendulum to the other side, the, the selfless side? And, and again, the answer is yes, there are actions you can take that will literally change your attitude and your motive for being a leader to being selfless. Um, so that's my favorite client is that person willing to be that transparent and that honest, especially in a group of people. Nice. I love that. As a young employee, granted, I was only an employee like three times in my life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my sister fired me. Um, but <laughs> Sibling rivalry. Huh? <laughs> right? Like I am not a good employee. I get that. But I always thought that for some reason in my head, business was competitive. And maybe it was because I was an 80s kid. Maybe I watched too many movies. But I always thought that leaders were there to kind of give here's your job, get it done. I need this done, report back to me. It wasn't a mentorship thing. It wasn't a, I'm doing this out of the kindness of my heart thing. I'm not trying to transcend my vast knowledge onto you. And it wasn't until I was probably about 35, 40, that I started to realize within myself that I want to teach other people how to do what I do so that they're really good at it. And there is no competition. It's, it's not even a thing. I don't get right. where it's coming from. Um, so is it an age thing? Is it a position thing? Is it just an awareness that people come to that 
that they transition from that, hey, everybody's out to get me thing to, mm-hmm. oh, this yeah. is all about me transcending my knowledge onto other people and this yeah. is where we're going with it. Yeah, you know, I, I think um, we talk about, for instance, the industrial age, and, and I believe that the command and control, the supervisory role um, was very prevalent throughout the industrial age. And, and, and to some degree, I think even today, we still struggle or we still suffer with that mentality of, well, my job as a leader is just to come in every day, tell you what to, to do and expect you to do it and do it well before you go home. Um, and unfortunately, that view of leadership, it's really short-sighted. I, I don't believe that, that that view of leadership, it's not going to give you any kind of longevity. It's not going to give you any kind of loyalty or longevity uh, with your team members. Uh, but also, I don't believe that it's scalable. Um, every single leader out there should be asking themselves, how can I get more from my team members? All right. Um, every leader should be asking themselves that and should be willing to push the, and, and challenge their team members to do more, to do better. And if you have a view of a command and control authoritarian type leadership, then at best, I believe you're going to get a half-hearted effort from your team members at best. And so that's just not a scalable model of leadership. And, in, and doing all this other hard work of building relationships and building credibility and competence and all that, that's what's going to make your team members, remember influencing, I use the word influencing, they want to follow you. That's what's going to make your team members willing to go the extra mile for you. Um, And that's what's going to give you the longevity, the loyalty, but that's also what's going to give you the scalability as a leader. Beautiful. I love that. So can you give us an example of a Cinderella story of one of your clients? Uh, Yeah. So, um, uh, so many of these and, and they, most of them again, come from the, the software development world where, where you've got that introvert, where you've got that, I don't know how to build relationships. Oh, and by the way, I think I got into leadership for selfish reasons and, and so forth. Um, and what I just so enjoy is watching someone with that same mental and emotional switch getting flipped as mine, the way mine did several years ago, right? Where, where they start to recognize that, yes, I can build relationships and yes, I can become a better leader with selfless motives. And, and so I just, I just love that, that introvert that feels unsupported their, their company has promoted them, but their company doesn't see any value in teaching leadership to them. And, and maybe they go to the internet looking for leadership, development, but all they find is executive coaching and, and all that. I just love then getting in the trenches with that leader and teaching them these tactics for, um, for really changing and influencing them uh, for the betterment of them and also their team. Right. Great. And I can totally see that, especially with, um, with techies and whatnot, Mm -hmm. you know, being promoted because you're awesome at what you do, that ability to be able to, yeah, to teach somebody else how to do it for lack of a better word or to do, um, yeah. Transfer that knowledge is (laughs) going to be a big challenge. No, it it definitely is. I mean, just because someone is a wonderful salesman Mm -hmm. doesn't mean they're going to be a wonderful sales manager. Just because someone is an awesome software developer, 
doesn't mean they're going to be an awesome software development manager. Um, it's a totally separate and different set of skill set. Um, and uh, it needs to be taught. I, again, I don't necessarily, I don't believe in this idea of someone as a born leader. Uh, I get it that that certain characteristics makes leadership easier for some people. I believe that it's probably easier for an extrovert to be a good leader than it is an introvert. But I don't believe in this idea that you're just innately born with all the necessary skills to be a great leader. It's a learned skill set. And I just love watching that you know, that person that's the introvert, uns unsure about their abilities. And as they learn and they see the, uh, the improvement, uh, they get excited about that. I love that. So what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be having right now and thinking, oh my God, Michael, I need you so badly right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think, and, and listen, this is some of the stumbling blocks that I struggled with as well, is that I think too many leaders, especially young leaders, they follow the example of leadership that they've experienced in the path in the past without necessarily recognizing, well, was that good leadership or not? Right. And, and I fell victim to this in early in my days as well, where I led the way I was either led or the way I saw other people leading. Right. And I never really, well, I think two things. I, I, I don't know that I ever took the time to stop and say, well, is that good leadership? Do I really want to follow that example? You just kind of fall victim to, well, I'm just going to do what I saw other people do. But secondly, if I had thought that, I don't know if I'd have been able to identify, yes, that's good leadership. Therefore, I want to, to follow it. So I think that's probably one of the earliest stumbling blocks that new leaders experience is that they, they just follow what they've seen in the past with, without regard of whether or not it was good leadership or not. Awesome. I, I know there's a few that I had that I was like, I will never do that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You're exactly right. Which is okay. Great. We're, we're not on that end of the scale. Yes. It's all of that in the middle that is so, you know, gray, it's not black or white. I totally right. agree. There, there are some leaders where you, yeah, I'll never do that. Um, and then there are other leaders that you're like, man, that was great. I just don't know how they did that. And, and then it's the, the, those in the middle that we tend to, you know, well, I'll just do what they did. Awesome. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start their journey with you? Yeah, so I appreciate that. I mean, the, the best thing to do probably is to start with our website, credibleleaders.com. Um, you can start there. Um, on there, we have a free leadership calculator. It uses that leadership equation that I talked about earlier. So I encourage you to utilize our free leadership calculator for the purpose of, of uh, measuring your current leadership uh, capabilities. And with that, you'll get a report that, that tells you exactly what you can do to improve your leadership. But then also, I'd love to have your listeners as a listener of my podcast as well, the Rookie Leaders podcast. So I encourage you to check that out as well, rookieleaders.com. Uh, but uh, would love to have you listening to our podcast as well. Awesome. By the way, I love your podcast voice. You got an awesome podcast. Oh, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> I can it. Listen to this Even all with the day. Southern this accent, awesome. right? <laughs> I, I think I particularly like the Southern accent. So maybe that's That's awesome. So I have to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you were special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Oh my goodness. Well, you're assuming that I've already hit that point. <laughs> I mean, there are, you know, there are you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> there are certainly uh, days, even today where I look at this and think, wow, can I do this? In all transparency, some days I look at it and say, do I want to do this? Right. <laughs> um, just because it's hard, it's difficult. It's scary. It, there's lots of uncertainty around it. 
But really, I think, um, like we were talking about earlier, when I see that introvert and, and I see the, 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 the switch flip for them and, and they become confident and energized and leadership, that's my why. And so it, it resolves all those doubts on can I or should I or do I want to? Uh, but when it was your question, and um, I would say it was back in the, the software development days, probably about 15 years ago now, where it, it th that switch flipped for me. And, and I no longer did I just want to solve a big problem. I wanted to help and coach and see other people win by solving big problems as well. So about 15 years ago, this was, this was baked into me, uh, I think. Nice. Love that. So beeps, if your f switch has been flipped, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the community. And we, we welcome you with open arms. Welcome to the crazy. Awesome. Michael, you have been absolutely fantastic. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Any last words for our peeps? Yeah, no, thank you so much, Michelle. I, you know, if I could say on your behalf for this podcast to your, to your listening audience, I know the effort and I know the work that you put into delivering good, solid content for your listening audience. So I would just ask your listening audience, be sure that you go and rate and review the podcast here, because I know Michelle is working hard for you and I know that she deserves that. So that'd be my last uh, ask, Aww. my call to action, if you will, for your <laughs> listeners. That was adorable. Thank you so much. And peeps, absolutely rate and um, subscribe to the show because we love helping you grow and scale your business. We love making you stronger. Go and check out Michael's offer. I know I will be taking that assessment. Absolutely. It's the only way we can get better at these things. So rate and review the show and uh, come back next week and see what we got going on for you. Have an awesome day. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.